Do you have any mums at your house? Mum, no. M- Mom? I love mums. Yeah. Uh, I had a few mums in the garden a few years ago. Yeah. And they gradually died out. Isn't that sad? That is sad. Yeah. Now, I don't know everybody if everybody knows uh, the difference between hardy mums and what? <laughs> Unhardy mums. Uh, fe- feeble <laughs> Uh, mums elderly mums. if you go to a store and they say we have hardy mums those are the kind that survive the winter oh yeah so they become perennials oh right we had some of those um for our wedding and then we planted them at our old house but we didn't bring them with us when we moved houses you brought your spouse with you when you moved the houses. family came but the mums stayed the mums stayed. Well, i was just wondering because i was walking uh this morning at the park and there were some great mums and I kept thinking we got to get some mums for our oh, house. Oh, I, I used to have a lot of mums in some previous gardens and previous at previous parishes. And this is the time of year I always think that and then I in the spring I always think oh I should have planted some tulips cuz now I wish I had more flowers. Oh, I'm going I'm going to do uh, daffodils. I was thinking about that I have to I usually wait too long you're supposed to plant the the fall bulbs before the ground freezes you got time and and the ground doesn't freeze till december so i usually end up doing it like a week before thanksgiving when it's cold and nasty and i i'm (laughs) mad at myself for being out there uh, digging in the ground but it's cold it's rewarding in the spring it's very rewarding we should say hi by the way hi everyone welcome to the 23 podcast oh it's somebody's listening hello everybody I'm listening to you. I'm, I'm uh, Michael Puppis, and that's Father Herb. Wow, I got a promotion. Okay, <laughs> you are Michael Puppis. I'm, I'm Father Herb. I'm moving up. Uh, how are you doing? Things are well? Very good. I had a, a, a phone conversation just recently, and the woman called, and um, I said, hello, this is Father Herb, and we talked, and then she, at least once, if not twice, she referred to me as Father Herb, <laughs> you know, uh, when it's a plant, yeah. especially in your garden, it's an herb. Yeah. But when it's a man's name, it's herb. Yeah. You pronounce the H. The H is so a little harder. I, I don't know how to go about correcting somebody and say, uh, I'm, so I just try to answer the phone. Hello, Father Herb. <laughs> and they say, you're, you're spitting on me. Yeah. Through the phone. All right. So here we are, mid-October, getting ready for the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Uh, still working on the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, this week. Uh, chapter 10, and how many chapters? I think I ask you this every week. Uh, and in, I got in, it wrong in Mark's two weeks Gospel. ago. I, I was, it's 16. It's 16, very good. I got he, it right. He does learn. It takes him a few weeks, but he does learn. Mark's sweet 16. Now I won't ever forget. Ask me again in three years. We're going to talk about James and John, the sons of Zebedee. I like that name. I do too. It's like a few weeks ago when we had the the two men uh, who did not go out to get the Holy Spirit, Eldad and Medad. Oh, yeah, those are great I think some of these names are so wonderful. Yeah, they are good. Uh, You're you're lucky you don't have twin boys. This is Eldad and this is Medad. (laughs) Don't tempt me. And then they would look to you and this is, they'd say, this is our dad. And I, (laughs) oh. (laughs) All right, we got enough dad jokes today okay would you like to read sure now once again this passage could be the long form or the short form we're going to read the long form because the long form is not all that long and i I will let michael read until the part where it says jesus summoned them and said okay i'll pick up on that okay james and john the sons of zebedee came to jesus and said to him 
Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or at my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When, they, when the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you're listening to this passage, we broke it according to the, the long form and the short form. The, the short form is what I would re, what I read. So if the priest or deacon only reads the part that I just read aloud, that is the part that has to be included. Correct. But the part that uh, Michael uh, read is uh, the extended version. <laughs> you seem like you're picking your words carefully. Well, today. I didn't want to say in, inconsequential because Michael read it. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I've got big shoulders. I can handle it. Okay. But, you know, I always think so much of John and James, especially John. He's the beloved disciple. But the last couple of weeks, John has not been faring very well, has he? No, he, he's had a, a few slip-ups here and there. Yeah, missteps. Yeah. I think he thinks, okay, I'm the beloved, or we were called early when Jesus called the disciples. Uh, so we, we have some inner circle rights that the others don't have. There was a, a daily mass reading a couple of weeks ago, one of my favorites. I think it was James and John where they don't like something that's going. So they asked Jesus, hey, can we call some fire down from heaven to consume Oh, yeah, them? right. Yeah, yeah, we that, had that. Yeah, that's, that was, in, that's in Luke's gospel. That's like one of my all-time favorites. I just <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> Do line. you do that? If you don't like something, call down fire from heaven? Hey, can we call some fire down from heaven to consume them, please? And Jesus, that was the Pharisees. They were walking through... Uh, not the Pharisees, the Samaritans. They were walking through Samaria. Yeah. And they came to the village, and the village did not accept that Jesus was coming because he was on his way to Jerusalem. Sure. And so they didn't want to have anything to do with him because of where it was acknowledgement that he was going to worship in Jerusalem. I just, they, you know, the apostles always have like a knee-jerk reaction to a situation, even like at the transfiguration. Hey, let's set up some tents. You know, you, there's always like a, a very human element to how they want to react. I, I think in many at many times it's, it's played out like that so that the run-of-the-mill Christians who read this, who might have the same attitude, yeah. might be already preempted and say, no, that's not the way to go. But then Jesus always has a very teachable moment. And he oh, says, wait a second, guys. Wait, just like with kids. You got this You got this all wrong. Let me let me tell you. Now, I want to talk about drink the cup. Okay. I, I love that. Uh, when John, John and James say, we want to sit on your right and your left. And Jesus says, well, can you drink the cup? Do you know the song? 
I will drink the cup. Yeah, we used to sing it with some regularity. I will drink the cup. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. want to sing a line? It was, uh, we, we will drink the cup. Yep. We will win the fight. We will something, 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 something. Through, through the night. Yeah, there is a... Yeah. <laughs> it we'll, wasn't a great song. Let's just call it how it is. Well, I remember at my last parish where we had a, an elementary school, the grade school kids loved it. That song? Yeah, and they would sing it almost like a, a beer drinking song. Yeah, it has could, a little bit of You could almost a... picture the kids with mugs in their hands and they're sort of waving them. Yeah. We will drink the cup. Yeah, a little bit. We probably shouldn't promote that with the children. Right, but I asked them a few times. I said, what do you think that means, drink the cup? And they said, oh, communion. We'll drink, go up and receive communion. And I wanted to say, no. This... <laughs> I, I had to be very careful because you don't want to be harsh on kids they were the apostles you were jesus and saying come on guys yeah i said no drinking the cup means participating in something yeah and so jesus says will you drink can you drink the cup he's basically saying can you suffer can you can you go go through the uh, the ordeal that i have to go through however maybe they were being very theologically sophisticated and thinking that we participate in the sacrifice of jesus every time we go to mass and we receive the cup Oh, my. Very sophisticated grade school students. And you know what? That would not, have, <laughs> not have been close at all. all right, I was just trying to yeah. help. They would drink the cup. Yeah. Well, they're very, it's very literal. But it's the same thing. Can you be, be baptized in the baptism with which I am baptized? Yeah. Again, we're not talking literally about pouring water, but it's like the the uh, inauguration, the... Uh, the initiation into something. But he does say to them, he's, they, so they, he asked the, the question, can you do this? And they say, we can. Sure we can. Of course we can. And then he affirms that. He says, yes, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. So That's the, a fun phrase to say. How many, how many times can you work the word I'm, baptized into a sentence? At least three on that one. Yeah. So we, there is a participation in it. Maybe, can you explain that a little bit? In, in what degree do we participate in drinking of the cup and being... Okay, it's basically Jesus is saying, it, you know, we've had three different times when Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, the Son of Man will suffer, die, and rise on the third day. Mm-hmm. And then he says, if you want to be my disciple, you take up your cross and follow me. Mm -hmm. So we've heard this several times. This is another way of putting the same thing. Yeah, It's like, okay, you want the glory. You you get to do the, the cross first. Yeah. And he's saying to James and John, don't look for the glory. It's, it's not about uh, how to rule over everybody else. And then it comes to that really beautiful line that I read. You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. I was just this morning reading uh, a reflection that somebody sent on email. And the person who sent it said it really uh, moved him. And he said administrator. And it basically was saying if you're an administrator, it really is about service. You know, it's it's fun. I was just thinking of that same exact email because I was copied on yes, it. Yes, I knew, I noticed. And it was talking about what it really means to be truly like a servant leader for the people that are entrusted to your quote-unquote authority, right? And how do we use authority and how do we actually lead? And not just at a workplace, but in our families, in our, in our marriages, in our friendships. Yeah. Um, how are we called to lead? And what was interesting in that um, it was talking about that it comes from our relationship with Jesus, right? 
that the key to it, I'm pulling it up right now. It says the key of our relationships is to know what is required of us and then do the work and having a servant's heart, which I, I liked that a lot. I believe some people misinterpret it as to be doing whatever people want. Yeah. You know, your, your kids, uh, you want to go make to McDonald's for dinner. Oh, of course, let's go because we're supposed to be at their dis- their disposal. Yeah. It doesn't mean that at all. It's like real service means to look for the, the best, the well-being of somebody. So lording over them, lording it over them would be basically using other people almost as functionaries uh, so that you get what you want. Yeah. And the other one is just doing everything what somebody else wants. And the answer is in between those two. The This little reflection that we were sent goes on to say that the ultimate authority in relationships is earned through how you serve and support, not through how you command and direct. I've long believed and observed that leadership is not authority based on a position you have been given. Real leadership is influence based on trust you have earned. That was good. Um, well, and- ex- except I'm going to say you can never quite earn trust. Uh, that throws a wrench into the workings there. Uh, trust is just plain given to you. You can be trustworthy, mm-hmm. but the other person has to choose to trust you. Sure. But you can give somebody a lot of reasons not to trust you as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you break trust, once you break trust, it's very hard to rebuild it. Yeah. And I've had people say, well, I haven't done anything wrong uh, except for that one occasion, you know, five years ago. <laughs> right. And the person still holds it again. And I said, well, that's that's the point. You broke trust, and the other person has to find the day when they're finally able to choose to trust. Sure. And it you you trust by trusting. Yeah. You don't reach a point where you, you count up the score and say, okay, now this person is trustworthy. Sure. No, you, you just choose to do it. And that trickles into all relationships, in the workplace, in our friendships, in our marriages, in our family. Uh, I would trust is a very important part of that. And so the passage goes on and says, um, be a, a slave. You know, we don't use the word slave very often. Uh, it says, whoever know, wishes to be the first among you will be the slave of all, right? Is that the line you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, it says, be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first is the slave of all. I, I asked a, a group the other day if, if they had servants. I think it was in one of my Sunday homilies. I said, most people don't have servants. Yeah. And it was later on in a discussion, some of the parents said, oh, yeah, um, we feel like we're servants to, to our kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it can feel that way sometimes. But also it's teaching your children to be of service to the household, right? So that, you know, we're all in this together. So everybody has responsibilities. Looking at the bigger picture is always necessary. I am so, so tired of hearing people, and I'm going to go ahead and say it because people uh, tiptoe around it. The, the ones who don't want to get vaccinated and they'll say, it's my body, I'll take my chances. Mm-hmm. And I want to scream and I want to say, well, wait a minute. It's not about you or your chances. Sure. It's about the good of the people around you. Right. Uh, you don't conquer something like a, a, a virus if people are still spreading it. Right. And 
and yes, we know people can spread the virus without having symptoms of illness, and it can even be spread by those who are vaccinated. I understand all that, but the chances are that much higher that the unvaccinated will be the ones spreading it. Sure. And have you noticed that the people who are opposing vaccination are often using the line, it's my body, I can do what I want, which is the very same phrase right. that those who uh, support abortion say, it's my body, I can do what I want. Right. And I disagree with both of those. Right. <laughs> well, you here, here you are just causing trouble on all, all fronts. Well, it's because we are not our own. I mean, it's, it's the basic thing of stewardship. I do not own my own life. You do not own your kids right. or your spouse. Uh, we belong, first of all, to God. And then we have to avail ourselves to the population at large. Mm -hmm. the, the incredible American individualism, which is not a new thing. You know, everybody talks about right now we're so polarized. But the truth is the American individualism was written up 100 years ago already as being unique. Mm -hmm. And we've, you know, some of us have grown up with it at when it was at its zenith with the Mar Marlboro Man, if you remember uh, the, the I, commercials. I remember for the, those ads. For the, for the cigarette. Yeah. And it was always like the person who chooses to be alone and on his own and running his own life. Yeah. And people buy into that. Well, I think cigarette smoking is a great example that, well, I can smoke, you know, it's my choice to do it. But you, when you, when you smoke, you also influence a bunch of people that are around you too. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've known people who have had, had uh, secondhand smoke uh, that led them to, to illness. But yeah, that's a great example. Uh, we're, it's not just my life. Yeah. I, I belong. And that's why parents have a responsibility to take care of themselves, uh, for, but not just for themselves, but for the sake of their, their kids. Sure. But also we have responsibility for those who are not related to us. You know, that we, we are at, at service. I like that word. You know, we were talking about being a, a servant or being of service, that we are service to the greater good and to the greater community. Yeah. That is the... In, in Catholic... Now, that's... That is uh, a good phrase, and it's it's in our secular society often used well. But in Catholic theology, we don't always talk about the the greater good or the good of society. We often use the phrase the common good. Mm -hmm. And in Catholic moral theology, there's a tension point, and it's a good tension. Respect for the individual. Each person has value, regardless of age, mm -hmm. uh, abilities. You know, a person with a disability still has tremendous value. Sure. I remember Tommy uh, at the Ann Graydon home. Ann Graydon home was built by Ann Graydon. Well, she was the one coordinated, coordinating it. And her son, Tommy, mm -hmm. uh, who was profoundly physically, mentally, emotionally disabled. Okay. He could do virtually nothing. And yet, I've never seen a child more loved. Mm. And uh, she dedicated her life to taking care of Tommy. Mm. And Ann Graydon Home is still, Ann Grady, I believe, last name. Yeah. It's, it's still functioning very well. But I don't think many people know the story. Uh, so our value comes not from what we accomplish. Mm -hmm. we, that's the individuality. Every individual really matters. But in Catholic theology, you, you place that in attention against the good of the 
commonality of everybody. Mm -hmm. So they're not opposites. They are two aspects of our theology. And I say there's a good tension between those two. We have to respect both. So we respect the individual and the good of society or the common good. And you get in trouble if you go all the way one to one or the other. Sure. Well, there's, you know, in our spirituality, in faith, ever, anytime that you get to one or the other, it's never usually a very good balance of anything, right? That there's always a healthy balance of both and, right? That that's kind of the nature of, of what our church is. So back to James and John trying to, in their glory, sit at the right and sit at the left. You know, in some ways, they're they're making room for themselves before thinking of what what may be the good of everyone else. Uh, what's a practical takeaway this week? Uh, maybe that we can focus on in our own relationships, either as uh, leaders or as servants, uh, that we could work on from this teaching this week. Jesus ends this passage with the words. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So I think the practical thing is how many times we are tired, maybe we feel deserving of some luxury or to be served, Yeah. that we, we need to remember that we have no higher status than those who are working around us. I, I'll take the example of a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times we don't treat the, the server with deep respect. Sure. And, you know, in a sense, we're on the same team. It's not that they're just there for us. Right. We work with them. Right. Hey, we should go get some lunch. Well, it, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> it is that time. All right, friends, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you this weekend at Mass for the 29th Sunday in Ordinary, Ordinary Time. Take care. Mm -hmm.